is Accentricity, a podcast about the eccentricities of language and identity. For this episode, we bring you something a little bit different. A few months ago, we were invited to work in collaboration with the podcast Refugee Voices Scotland and make a guest series for a new podcast called The Sounds of Integration. This podcast is being launched by the UNESCO Chair for Refugee Integration Through Languages and the Arts at the University of Glasgow. And it'll be a way for them to share their research, their news, their poetry and stories about migration in Glasgow. Me and Ken from Refugee Voices Scotland put our heads together and decided that in this time of pandemic and lockdown and frankly quite a lot of bleakness, we wanted to make a series about the power and importance of community. In particular, we wanted to look at what happens when communities are put under strain. So when people move from one place to another and have to move away from the community they know and into a new one, when borders and visas separate us, and also when being within two metres of another person becomes dangerous. Our question is, can communities survive physical distance? How can we support each other when we can't stand beside each other? We've called the series What Does Community Mean to You? And it features lots of short interviews with interesting people. You'll hear less of me than you usually do in Accentricity because we wanted to centre the voices of the people that we spoke to and let them tell you their stories in their own words. It's also not all about language, although some of it is since community and language are pretty closely related subjects a lot of the time. This is the first episode of the series, which we're releasing on the Accentricity feed as a taster. If you'd like to hear the rest of the series, you can find a link to the Sounds of Integration podcast in the episode description. This episode is called We're All Allowed to Be Who We Are. In it, you'll hear from Marjanina, a community worker and teacher, Dio, who runs the Bring Your Own Language project, Aga and Nell, who run the project Teach Me a Word You're Afraid to Forget, and Shibita, a member of the Hidden Rhythms Band. We hope that you enjoy hearing their stories. My name is Marzanna, I'm from Poland, and I've lived in Scotland for over 12 years now. I've been fortunate to, to be surrounded by people from around the world and um, I've worked as a teacher, but also as a community worker. And I've taught English, but especially um, at the beginner level and at the literacy level. So um, working with people whom I have never been to school. At the moment I work in the most diverse district in the whole Scotland. The area is called Govan Hill. It's, it's a place in Glasgow and we've recently counted the languages spoken there and there are at least 88. خیلی فعال و محیطی که زنده است 
و افراد در این When I came to Scotland, um, I knew very little English. I had started learning prior to moving here, but it wasn't really my choice to come here. I mean, not that I was forced, it's just I was, um, I wanted to travel. I wanted to go out of Poland to learn uh, a new language and be among people from a different culture. That was always, I, I've always felt like that, but uh, because my friends from university uh, moved to Scotland. I had contacts here, so I, I moved. So, you know, I just didn't realize that it would be so hard. I knew I would be working in factories and um, because, of course, you need to have English to, to work somewhere else. Um, and I thought I was very naive when I thought that I would learn English in, in the factories, but actually I was working only with the Polish people and uh, Latvian people with whom I could practice my Russian, but not English. And uh, the factory wasn't a place, it wasn't a community. It was a place to, to work. It, there was nothing that would be bringing the Scottish people together with Polish people and so on. So people weren't really mingling that much. There were like two, two different groups, the, the host community and the immigrants. So that didn't feel like a community, of course, but that was a place where I would be mostly, whenever possible, I would be um, having my earphones and listening to English programs and I was learning English um, like that. But uh, the only way I could feel that I was part of something was to do something that um, where I could use my skills and I was a teacher. I was newly qualified uh, as a, a teacher of Polish language and literature. So I started volunteering at the Polish school and quickly I became a teacher there. Uh, so that felt my community, but that was only on Saturdays. And the rest was just work and then coming back. And I had, we had a very lovely uh, elderly Scottish neighbor. So she was very uh, good with us. And um, sometimes we would have a chat, but she was just only person. And I remember it took me two years to make my first British friend. Um, people were, were always friendly, but not friends. I remember I was feeling very lonely because of that, because I knew, um, you know, I was straight from university. At university, I was being used to discussing literature and just having fun and having discussions and, you know, joining in with whatever interest group I wanted. But here, my opportunities were very, very limited. And I wish I had had somebody who would have been... Um, would have taken care of me and just I didn't even know that there were some befriending programs organized I didn't know that there were some organizations who would bring people like me together I all I knew was uh, that I had to work to make a living and I had to go to college and learn English and that was my world and that was very very limiting now that experience helps me to understand how people feel. I've taught English uh, around Glasgow, working um, with the lowest levels. And, you know, 
with if, if you come from a place where you've never been to school um, you can't read or write in any language to um, even think of putting uh, the effort into le learning a language from scratch I think it's so overwhelming for people that um, to make them stay and continue the classes um, it's not easy because people have their priorities. They usually have families. They, you know, they, they have commitments that they have to fulfill. So learning a language from scratch becomes when you ha have children and maybe you're in your 40s, 50s, 60s, it's not really that you would normally think about going to school as starting from scratch because it actually feels, you know, learning the letters and uh, simple words that that uh, even children uh, in, in primary school already know, you know, it's as a teacher, I always try not to be patronizing because um, because it's it's very easy to be patronizing when you have an adult who who's been through a lot in life and you could learn a lot from them, but you don't have a language in common. Uh, so many times my, my students were saying, you know, I'm, I'm stupid, I'm stupid. You know, people say things like that or I'm sorry, I don't speak English when we come to a country, to a new country, sometimes not, not um, because we wanted to, but because the circumstances forced us to, we find ourselves um, confined to an identity that usually is like this. Where are you from? I'm from Syria. Oh, I'm sorry, I don't speak English. And that's it. And this is your identity, um, your country of origin, because this is what you will understand and you will answer and um, and then you feel sorry and apologetic because you don't speak the language of your new country. And um, I always felt that uh, we need to do more to make people feel better because when they feel better about themselves and uh, when they have opportunities to show their talents, then they will become they will be more motivated to learn English and they, they will become the members of the society that they can be if they have the right opportunities. I was brought up mostly in a village um, where I was ex exposed to the Polish that is not the mainstream Polish. This is lots of dialects and lots of endearing expressions or quirky, funny expressions that you don't normally maybe hear in, in the mainstream language. So th this is something that uh, really brings beautiful memories, but also especially memories of my dear grandmother, who was, you know, the, the, the closest person I think that I've ever had. You know, I've noticed that I'm losing my Polish and that's heartbreaking because um, because not only that I studied Polish language and literature uh, at university in Poland, but also because I write, I used to write poetry in Polish, that the more I know English, the more I get to know English, the more um, I function in English, the more um, I lessen my Polish. So I suddenly, because I, I don't use the sophisticated vocabulary, you, you just lose it. Uh, I think it's called attrition, language attrition. So I, I find myself trapped in a way that 
I'm between two languages now, or even more than two, because I, I learn Arabic uh, very, very actively uh, and some other languages as well. So um, I, I cannot, I mean, how to say it? I love writing. And at the moment, I've written poems in English and I've written poems in Polish. I still feel that in English, there's so much that I need to explore in the language to be able to write the way I would have been writing in Polish if I had lived in Poland. Um, it's, it feels like a trap. It feels like I'm, I'm, too, I'm, I'm not able to use the language to its full potential. And neither of my languages. And this is, yeah, I find it heartbreaking sometimes. I, I try not to think about it too much. <laughs> but um, that, that's why I think it's very, very important to maintain your language. Um, and that's why I think the, the Saturday schools are so important where the children can learn their heritage languages. So the, the Polish children learn in the Polish schools. We have a Russian school. Um, we have an Iranian school, Arabic schools. And I think it's so, so important, especially if you come from a different alphabet. There are many, many people that I know who speak Urdu, but they don't write Urdu um, and so on. So I think it's so, so important to be able to um, dip into your roots whenever you wish to. Bring Your Own Language, BYOL Glasgow, started in May 2019. Um, and the main intention was to work with uh, refugees and asylum seekers, to give them all the necessary tools, and then to ask them to determine a project that they would like to develop themselves with our support. they decided to develop a short film based on their own autobiographical writings and poems. It was a hard and emotionally, emotionally intense process. Um, the team had to handle for the very first time the emotional burden of uh, the experiences of every member of the group. Um, However, the end result uh, was a very rewarding one for all of us and representative of the personal journeys from homeland to Glasgow and the experiences they entailed for each and every one of those people in the group. It's really uh, a, str a struggle at the end of the day, you know, trying to uh, fit into a community while uh, you're not entirely certain whether they can properly understand what you're saying or when you can't really understand what, what they tell you. So with uh, the Bring Your Own Language uh, series, uh, we really wanted to empower those people who are in the midst of this struggle, like an everyday struggle to adjust, 
to adapt, to survive, to become better, to integrate, basically to to make to tell them that you know it's okay. You you come from a different culture, you speak a different language, you're going through those endless language lessons every day of the week, but be proud of your heritage, be proud of where you come from and your language. And there's no other way to celebrate it other than, you know, allowing you to speak your mind in your mother's tongue and be okay with it. Stories are a, a very important pillar in the formation and continuation of communities. And um, this is something we usually employ to make people realize the, the importance of uh, their community groups. Uh, telling a story about how you came to be, where you are today, or who you are today, is extremely important. And communities without stories would cease to exist. If it wasn't for the storyteller, the civilization would, would fall apart. And this is a big truth, because um, out, like the world has, you know, if, if, we, if we look at it in a, in, a, in a very cynical way, the world is, um, it, it's not made of like unicorn dust. And we have the task to tell a story to ourselves every single day to make us uh, stronger and go through the everyday struggles that we have to deal with. So stories is what keep us alive, what keep humanity going forward and making progress. Uh, so um, this, is, this is a very, very important element of uh, our programs. And we celebrate stories and we highlight them and we create new ones as well, new narratives for our lives and for the things that happen around us. Growing older, I get to realize more and more the meaning and importance of communities. Changing flats, neighborhoods, cities throughout my life uh, makes me realize the importance of belonging somewhere, uh, rooting your identity in a specific place, uh, claiming that um, this particular place is yours. And that's what I think community really means to me, feeling that you belong somewhere. Uh, and that can be anything. I, I recently joined an online um, community uh, where we basically discuss about history and geography uh, and being an active member of this group uh, had really uh, made an impact it had an impact on me that I, I couldn't uh, expect like I it really made me feel that I belonged in a, in a community even if that was a virtual one and helped me really go through uh, stressful and lonely times during the pandemic. 
So I think this is the time to celebrate communities in any shape or form and um, highlight how important they are for our well-being and us telling a story for ourselves as well. The project we're working on is called Teach Me a Word You're Afraid to Forget. And um, we are collecting words from people in different languages, um, words that are um, words that people find significant in one way or another. And the way I was introducing it to, um, to a lot of them was just trying to... It was actually quite difficult to find the right approach. I first said that people should think of a word that they want their neighbor to know. So for example, if like their neighbor, let's say, speaks Urdu and they speak uh, Ara Arabic or some other you know, dialect, then is there a word they think would be really useful to just keep in their original languages? Because it, for example, carries a, a special sentimental meaning, meaning for them that, that wouldn't be translatable. At the core of the project, there's like a need to kind of um, level the cultural <laughs> value or like the, the linguistic uh, and cultural and significance of different languages we, 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 we basically use every day in the same area, in the same city. Um, kind of acknowledging that uh, even though we live in a country that yeah, it uses English as a means of communication. We have um, more than 50 languages that are used in one district of Glasgow uh, alone, like in Govan Hill. So for me, that was an eye-opening thing to learn that and, and to, to think of all these stories and all these words and all these memories that people might have. And, um, and yeah, and think of adaptation, I suppose, um, because one form of adaptation is to learn the language of the country you, you moved to. Um, and I feel maybe it should be more of an exchange um, and sharing of different concepts and words than just, just translating everything. I think that's a really interesting part of the project is thinking about the ways that language can currently be seen. I don't know, a lot of people see it as a barrier or, or when you, particularly when you move to a new place or they see it as a, a signifier of somebody being different from somebody that they would be able to communicate with. So I think like any working on a project that's trying to trying to set up an exchange between perhaps cultures or individuals that feel like they're divided by this kind of barrier is really important. And I think like showing the two sides of language where, yeah, it's is a signifier of belonging to a particular place. And it's obviously 
really important for people to hold on to that and that's kind of the idea of this teach me a word is is you don't want to forget these things when you move somewhere new um but it's also it shouldn't always be something that keeps you to yourself and keeps you moving within a community that is only only speaks your language so this idea of teaching i think is really important rather than kind of an idea of translating but teaching is has a really important signification of of sharing knowledge and maybe that idea of care that's needed to to try and broach a cultural difference and explain why things you might do things in a different way or you might see things in a different way to another person so it's not just we're not trying to sort of translate things directly we're trying to deal in words that aren't directly translatable um languages allow us to recognize bonds we share um as a community but uh, what interests me in this project especially is not necessarily consolidating the communities based on their languages and but more um actually bring bring the languages out from the communities uh and and, and exchange like create a, a space for exchange create a like a space between all these languages where we can show the words that have meaning to to us and um maybe adapt them um there there's loads of there are loads of examples of words being adapted from one language to another um in in like hundreds of years ago, hundreds of years ago and and contemporary um so i think what excites me is that we might create a space where um the belonging the sense of belonging will be expanded to um to this international um multilingual diverse um space where we're not all speaking the same language but we're all learning about each other's languages and we're all adapting it's not just that the minority is going to adapt to the english speaking community it's that we all can adapt to one another and we can impact how we speak and we can impact how we understand each other with just like teaching each other one word it could be that easy and obviously it's not that easy only but but i think it's an exciting concept to work towards
άνθρωπος δεν, δεν υπάρχει. So my name is Shubita. Um, I am a student. I study physics, um, and on my spare time when I'm not studying, I'm in. I'm with like a bunch of girls, and we have like a group where we do music and we write and perform music and we write plays and things as well. So yeah. So we used to go to the YCSA, which is um, a charity that works with uh, young people, mostly with like uh, young people from black and ethnic minority communities, and and yeah, that's kind of where it all started from. We, so we wrote We Are The Sun, uh, all of us wrote it together, so, um, and I think the idea at the time was we, uh, we had a piece of paper and we do, like, we drew our hands, uh, we drew the outline of our hands on uh, the paper, and uh, the idea was to fill that outline with, like, all the different identities and things that you have. So like I'm a mother, I'm a daughter, I'm a sister, I'm uh, I am, and someone wrote things like uh, I am a bear, I'm a son, like metaphorical things as well, you know. And we're all a mix of these identities, like or all 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 of these things at once. So we combined them all together into a into a song. <laughs> And because like a lot of us speak lots of different languages as well, so we thought we'd try saying some of those things in. Uh, we'd, we'd try to incorporate like uh, some of the languages that uh, that we speak um, into the song as well, because that's also part of who we are. friends and we we call ourselves the sisters that's like one of the it just, like it kind of was just the name that came during the when we were making some of the music we're still like really good friends ever since that first meeting at the YCSA and we've like had so many we've grown together I guess we've like shared so many so much stuff has happened together 
uh, to all of us, I guess, since then. And we've all like shared each other's moments and like we've been part of everyone's lives and things and like all these moment, huge things, momentous decisions and momentous things have happened. And it's like, yeah, we're, we're pretty close. <laughs> I don't think I... Like, at the time when I went to YCC, I wasn't really thinking of songwriting or anything. I was just like, I need to meet people. <laughs> I need to talk to someone other than my four walls because even they're getting bored of me. <laughs> like, before, I, I guess for me, before I went into YCC, I wasn't really... Um, I Like, for a while, I used to be this person who, like, uh, I used to love watching films and... Um, reading books and listening to music and a lot of artsy kind of artsy kind of things um and i i don't know at that time like a lot of the things that i used to do i'd kind of not been doing them and i'd sort of forgotten about them um and they weren't really a big part of my life and i don't know it felt kind of like a lot of things were missing and I couldn't really put my finger on what it was because I totally forgotten. And um, and then I met, and then I started going to the group and like um, through I don't know serendipity or whatever it is, it just started to uh, yeah we found a sense of community and like from that it 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 just gave like a starting point to start uh, doing music and. I don't know, like reading books and uh, watching films and things again and just started to, so, yeah, yeah. So it kind of like solidified uh, as well. Uh, the community brought the music, like the, the, the community was definitely a starting point for to make the music, but also the music kind of solidified it as well. Cause there's something kind of special in being in just collaborating with someone and most of the songs are the we wrote are like really personal songs um like you know they weren't about cats and dogs or sunshine um they were about like quite personal things and we sort of were able to connect with people uh with other with our uh with each other through that i think i don't know Just like do I crayon in the box She's desperate for attention Wondering how to fit into The spectrum of perfection Um, so in that particular session, we decided that we all wanted to work together as a group um, instead of just write our own songs. Um, it actually took a while uh, to come up with a song, I think, because sometimes it's just like so many people in one group. Uh, it's kind of hard to uh, to come up with, like to write together. Um, um, and we didn't like we couldn't think of an idea for a while. Uh, we couldn't think of what. Do you want to like what do we want the song to be about and i guess we just uh started like thinking about things that we had in common with one another with each other because other than but 
well, we're all women. <laughs> what else do we have in common other than that? And I guess we just started talking about all the experiences and things that we'd have, like we have as, I guess, as women and as like, or as humans and like all the things, you know, like you weren't, when you hear like lots of us, lots of people, I think, um, have heard those things like you are not enough and you feel a bit insecure and you feel, we have like, sometimes we have tendencies to just compare ourselves with other people and uh, find fault within ourselves and you and I think that was like a common experience that all of us had um, and we never um, not that I wouldn't say we never but like we didn't maybe not everyone heard the either positive enough as in like yes you are enough um, and it, all that you are is perfect and you don't need to be like anyone else so we just thought maybe we'll write a song about that and if someone who is like us um, is struggling a little bit maybe it would be a nice message to send out to someone like that community is when we all kind of live together and we're all we're all allowed to be who we are and we're all allowed to express our own individuality and not uh, and not have to worry about it and we're kind of accepted and also we're allowed that individuality is allowed to be part of the community um, and and that kind of makes it like um, everyone's different and everyone has their own personality and their own quirks and, and they all kind of merge together uh, with their own individualities into this kind of fabric and uh, and together that kind of makes a community it makes an interesting community I think that way Thanks to Marjanina, Dio, Aga, Nell and Shibita. If you'd like to know more about any of the interviewees and their work, you'll find information and links in the episode description. Thanks also to Ken and to Bella. If you'd like to sign up to hear the rest of this series and more episodes like them, you can subscribe to the Sounds of Integration podcast using the link in the episode description or through your podcast streaming app of choice.